I'm Paul Higgins, an ex-corporate executive turned business owner who for five years struggled to grow a cloud consulting business whilst battling a chronic disease. With the help of mentors and experts, I got the business model right, built a sales and marketing engine and developed a high-performing team that ended in a successful exit. I received a kidney transplant from a mate and now on my second life, I dedicate my time to helping other cloud consultants scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life. Detecting an accent, I'm an Aussie working globally from Melbourne, Australia. I interview successful cloud consultants sharing their scaling stories to give you inspiration and practical tips. I have dedicated experts for cloud consultants on the show to save you time and money by working with the right people. If you want to scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Imagine this. You take a seat at the front of a conference and when the conference ends and the crowd disappears, the founder is left standing. Do you talk to him or do you just simply walk away? What transposes is an amazing story about how to eight times your business through funding. Hello, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to the Cloud Consultant Show episode number 487. In this podcast, we'll explore ways for cloud consultants to thrive by avoiding common pitfalls and embracing best practices. Our guest today is Gary, who joined Tom in 2011 at Red Argyle and had a chance encounter with a famous Mark in 2016 that would see him and the business gain funding to eight times their business. They focus on enterprise cloud projects for some of the largest brands on the planet, so large that we can't even mention them. What I'll do now is hand you over to Gary Polmeter from Red Argyle. Great to have you here, Gary. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, you're definitely not the first Salesforce partner that we've had on, but your first Salesforce partner that's going to talk about how you got funded, but we'll get to that in a moment. The key thing that we kick off with is uh, who are your ideal clients and what problems you solve for them? All right. Well, um, yeah, so our ideal client, they're very interesting. We like to do experienced cloud projects and we like to do complicated experienced cloud projects and we like to do beautifully designed experienced cloud projects. And we like to work with customers who have rapidly changing and innovative business requirements. So you put that all together and it leaves a very interesting niche of organizations that we get to work with. They typically are a little bit more on the enterprise scale and they're willing to make a reasonable investment in their experienced cloud projects because of the economies of scale that you get out of a good implementation. You know, If you do an experienced cloud right, you have a partner portal and a thousand of your critical business partners around the world are able to suddenly use your technology and be more efficient. So we love those exponential gains. So yeah. Uh, and then vertical, we do a lot in high tech, health life sciences, and a little bit in fins. You know, we do like those regulated industries. We have a lot of experience with security, privacy, and compliance. Right. And the problems that they have, if there is a typical set of problems they have when they engage. Yeah. The- Biggest problem, I don't know if I'd call it a problem, but since the pandemic, especially, so many businesses have had to reinvent themselves and retool a lot of their processes that their tech either couldn't keep up or they were moving so fast that it just needs a little tune up. And so what we've been seeing a lot of are like companies who have changed their 
parameters of their partner program and have new business rules that are required to be partners. And they didn't have the automation in place to make it scalable. And they had to hire a bunch of people to do it when, you know, a lot of it could have been automated, things like that, where, you know, we're able to come in and work with these groups with their changing requirements and kind of modernize their technology to help them align with what they're doing now. Right. And only if you're comfortable, can you share an example of someone like that? Oh, I sure would love to, Paul, but I have all these NDAs all over the place. <laughs> our, our customers don't like their name mixed with other logos, but I'll just say they're probably companies you've interacted with in your personal lives. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So uh, I said it in the intro and I said it a bit at the start here that uh, you know, you've know you got a pretty amazing story of how you were funded, you and your business partners. So why don't you just take us into how you met Mark? And I think everyone will know who Mark is. It's it's funny when you're that famous that a generic name like Mark, uh, you know who you're talking about when you talk about Salesforce. But uh, <laughs> how you met him and uh, how it turned into some uh, some nice funding for the business. Sure. Well, I mean, what I'll say is uh, it's a combination of luck and and hard work and being in the right place at the right time. And anyway, I'll I'll get into it. So. My business partner, Tom, founded Red Argyle in 2010. I joined in 2011. And we just have always been blessed with amazing customers, a really great team. And we were able to bootstrap our business up to about 20 people, just kind of on our own with our own customers and, and funding. And one time I said, hey, Tom, let's go to, you know, it's called CloudForce back in the day. Let's go to CloudForce. It was, I don't know, 2016-ish. So we go to CloudForce and uh, we just like got seats in the front, which was really interesting. You know, just kind of walked in at the right time and got near the front. And then after the show ended, everyone left. And it was literally like, usually Mark Benioff has this massive crowd of people around him. And it was just like him and a couple handlers and one or two other people. And we're like, hey, let's go talk to Mark. And let's talk to Mark. And he's like, hey, how are you? Uh, and I was like, oh, you know, Red Argyle and all that stuff. And he's like, yeah, how are you guys doing? And, and, and then out of blue, he says, are you interested in a potential investment from Salesforce Ventures? And I'm like, no way, you know, that'll never happen. And he says, oh yeah. And um, his assistant took our info. And then a week later, we get a call from the lead investor at Salesforce Ventures. And, you know, we had a really interesting conversation, shared some numbers. And unfortunately, this is what he said. He said, we don't like to invest in partners who are doing product and services. You know, we want you to be focused on one or the other, and you're too small. So let's just keep in touch. Let us know how things go. And so Tom and I walked away from that thinking, all right, we should <laughs> we should probably follow that advice. He's a really smart person with a lot of experience. And we looked at our revenue and it was like 89% services, 10% product. And we just said, all right, let's just go with the bigger one. And and we started kind of moving away from product, moving towards services. And just quickly, um, what product did you have at that stage? What what would you... We had a photo manager. We had a free app called High Five, which was a bunch of calculated fields just to help sales reps kind of see account history. Yeah. And we had an in and out board. So that was like a virtual, like know who's in the office kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we were selling them all for really cheap just to, you know, experiment as an ISV. Yeah. <laughs> so we said, all right, we'll make those free or start end of lifing them. The funny thing is we still have a few paying customers and I get like $4 a month from Stripe. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm like, there's our retirement. So we kept in touch with ventures. And finally, you know, we were like, hey, we've let go of our products. And sorry, how did you keep in touch? 
we've, we've ventures. What, just periodic what, email out to the investor that we talked to. And was the same person there that you originally got a nice no yep. from? Was he yep, he's yep. still there? Oh, he's not there anymore. He, but, he is but he was and, prior to you getting the end yep. funding. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, I don't have to keep names out of the yeah, the yeah record, but uh, you know, great, great folks at Ventures overall. I've had great experiences. And so after two years, we we're like, hey, we've almost quadrupled our business. We have moved away from product. You know, can you please seriously give us another shot at looking at something? And then he says, Yeah, let me talk to the team. And then radio silence for like two months. And then this little thing happened called COVID in the beginning of 2020. And we we're like, Yeah, right. No one's going to get funding now. And then it was March of 2020. And boom, we get an email. Hey, we do want to invest in you. You're, we're going to put you in the Trailblazer Fund. Here's the deal. It's going to be a really easy investment, but we have to close this in like two weeks. <laughs> Here's a term sheet. <laughs> so we're like calling the lawyers and all that stuff and like getting everything sorted to figure it out. And um, you know, we were able to work through the deal and uh, you know, close that round on the timetable that they requested. And yeah, that's been off to the races ever since. Brilliant, brilliant. And the complexity is the term sheet. Was there many changes that you wanted to make when you saw the term sheet? One thing, and I think if you you know do meet other partners that have worked with ventures, you know the mission of the fund, particularly the Trailblazer Fund, is to grow the ecosystem, bring more trailblazers into the ecosystem. You know, we invested part of that money into a talent development program at Red Argyle, and have brought a lot of people college grads and some other outside industry folks into the Salesforce ecosystem with that. So it's more of a, I mean, again, it's a venture capital fund, like they you know, want to make money and all that good stuff. But really what they're trying to do is grow the Salesforce economy, which pays dividends to the greater scheme of things. So long story short, we didn't really have to make sweeping mods to the way we we're running our company. Um, you know, we, we have a little bit of relationship and some reporting that we do, but yeah. they've been very supportive of our work and really just helping us grow faster, smarter, and more aligned with the Salesforce economy than you would think. So overall, it's been a great experience. Yeah, great. And then once again, I know you can't get into too many specifics, but what would be a, an example of what they brought to you other than money? Because I know that, you know, whenever you get investors, the number mm-hmm. one thing is you don't get investors just for money. You get investors for money yep. and uh, some form of um, IP or, or, you know, a competitive advantage. So what have I bought to you other than the money? Yeah, I'll say the best single piece has been uh, they paired us up with a board advisor who is really as much of a mentor to Tom and I as he is uh, part of the Salesforce organization. You know, they paired us up with someone that that they they did they did a cast a pretty wide net to figure out like who's a good fit to help a company like this. So it was someone who came from professional services, worked at a big pro surf company that got acquired by Salesforce. That he went into the customer success org and like has, has had a lot of success there. So he had just all this great experience and some relationships and things that he was able to help us get to know people, particularly just around the Salesforce org internally. That's been, I would say, hugely impactful and just an all-around good person with like good street sense of like what's going on. Helped us navigate COVID and all of the ups and downs after that. So I think that's been the most impactful thing. And 
again can't say his name but you know no. when you when he listens to this i gotta just say thank you because he's been an amazing uh, positive impact for our company yeah brilliant and what's the sort of frequency or cadence that you meet with him oh we're uh at minimum monthly you know we have just a quick check-in and then we do you know more formal quarterly board meetings and you know attend that as a board observer right and uh and how many people on the board in total we have a grand total of two, two. <laughs> plus okay. an observer so you know one <laughs> one one nice thing about being a you know independent organization is uh you know we're able to keep our sheet pretty light so you know tom and i are are the board effectively right now so uh, you know, the positives of that is we can be really nimble. You know, it is great to have more experience. So informally, you know, we do have some advisors that we work with and everything to kind of fill gaps that a board of directors would give us. Yeah, great. And and as far as uh, deal flow, was there any change in deal flow after you got from Salesforce themselves once you got the funding? I think I used to feel a little bit like a rogue partner where I'm like, yeah, I can do this different and better than other partners doing it my way. And having worked with Salesforce now and really got to know how their sales organization works, like that will only get you so far. And if you want to be an outlier partner with outlier clients, then that's great. But if you want to be a main player in the ecosystem with mainstay clients, working the way that Salesforce does it was ultimately a better way to work. So we collaborate with account executives. We are involved in strategy sessions with clients. And, you know, it's really just been, they've helped us mature. If you want to look at it that way, where they don't, Salesforce doesn't operate the way they do because it's bad. They operate the way they do because it's highly effective. Yes. Um, and it does require discipline and a different way of thinking. But, you know, once we were working with the team at Salesforce, we're like, you know, yeah, this is, we, you got to play the game the way that they want to play it to to be su- ultimately successful and scale as a partner. And is there like an alumni? Do you catch up with other people that have been funded through Salesforce Ventures? Yeah, they do a good job, including us at an event. Like go down to New York City for a customer company tour. They'll say, hey, this partner and you know these other investment recipients will be there. You guys should catch up. Or you know, once in a while, they'll throw a little cocktail reception to get let us all say hi. And you know, it, it is a different kind of family. You know, we all have some relationship through that shared bond. And a couple of uh, other Salesforce SIs that are in the same boat as us, we've become really good friends with and we've done, you know, collaborative deals with. And so it's been a nice, you know, again, just a little added value to to working with them. Yeah. And, and this is a question you don't have to ask, but based on the funding that you got, was there any particular run rates or you know revenue rates or profit rates that you had to hit? Otherwise, you, you know, had to effectively give some of the funding back or was it not structured that way? Yeah. I mean, I I would say Salesforce wants to see you make a plan and stick with it. And the plan is collaborative. It's been collaborative every year. You know, I I can share that much anyway. Like they want they want founders in their portfolio who stick to a plan and and see it through. And you know, that's what we've aimed to do since we started working with them. And have you ever had any contact with Mark since that that day in 2016? <laughs> I mean, once or twice, you know, as an MVP, you know, we we sometimes get invited to different events and so forth to represent the community. And, and so I've seen him a few times and, and uh, you know, it's always nice to say hello. And, you know, I'm very much, you know, it's funny, five years ago, every time I saw Mark, I'm like, I got to get a selfie. But now it's like, I feel like it's, I treat it more like a business meeting where it's like, I, I want to bring him business value every time I see him and just share 
where we're at. And I always want to express my gratitude for what, you know, his little nudge with us and then what Salesforce in general has allowed us to do as a business. Fantastic. And downsides, are there any downsides that may not be apparent to us that you've seen from getting funded from ventures? I mean, I think with anything, you have to know what your goals are short and long-term as a business to determine, is it the right move? And you know, whenever you forge a relationship like that, you have to be committed long-term to seeing it through and working with the goals of the new stakeholders that you've taken on. So the downsides could be if that isn't what you're thinking, you know, you're signing up for when you build a relationship like that, because you have to agree to certain things when you're, you know, taking someone's money. And it's just like when you buy a house, you know, if you don't pay your mortgage, they take it back. And it's, you know, clearly not the same thing in an investment space, but you got to know what you're signing up for. So, you know, my advice to any other founders looking to get funded and are new to the game is, is uh, really know what you want before you start, be prepared to stick to it for a long time and make sure you have good advisors and be prepared to walk away if it's not the right deal for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not just really, that's not Salesforce venture specific. That's anyone that was in a sh- our shoes bootstrapping and then deciding to take funding. Yeah. I think that's uh, really sage advice. And, and around the fact that you, from you know the 2016 period where you quadrupled the business, is there anything that we can learn from that? Like, is there any source of leads or any source of revenue that you did that really turned that quadrupling mm-hmm. of revenue on? Yeah. And actually, since 2016, we're almost 8x the size that we were then now. So it's been, uh, you know, we're, we're chasing some awesome, exciting numbers. The best place that we've been able to grow, bar none, is protecting our brand. One thing we take a lot of pride in is we've never had an account go red from a Salesforce perspective where, you know, Salesforce has to intervene and like fix a problem that we've created as a partner. We've done everything possible to protect our brand so that we're able to get a lot of good referrals. So do a good project. And, you know, we've been around for 10 years. Our customers and our contacts there have moved around and a lot of them have pulled us into new work. So that referral type relationship has been the single biggest thing to invest in. And if you think about it, protecting your brand feels good and it's cheaper than a giant marketing budget. It's it just it's the right thing to do. It it's you know, it takes care of your customers, it empowers your team to take care of your customers. And then you know, you end up getting more good work down the road because people feel good about you as a partner. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Great. And uh, I know uh, we're recording this in uh, 2023 and you've just been to a an AI. Uh, conference, mm. you said in New York. So this is a bit of a shifting of gear, but um, yeah, just tell us what you learn out of going to the um, the conference. My biggest takeaway is how I don't think Salesforce is just paying lip service because AI is popular right now. I can see the results of a longer term strategy, and you know, and I didn't think as much about the progression when you know in 2018, 2019, they start buying up all these AI companies that turned into Einstein first, like that was the harbinger of AI before it was cool, if you will. And, and, you know, Salesforce has done pretty well with some of those offerings, I think, and they're innovative and I recommend them to my customers periodically. But when I went this week, the big unknown, and I was talking before the event and they said, what's your worry about AI? And I talked about Salesforce's number one value is trust. And I know with these AI models, 
no one necessarily knows where the data goes once the system learns it because the system doesn't store the data, it learns it. And there's a huge difference from a technical engineering perspective from a, well, how do you delete that? Yeah, it's You can't just delete a file. Now it's like you got to remove memories from a living organism. You know, it's not going to be something that's easy to maintain compliance. So I'm like, how are they going to do this? It just sounds impossible. And so they unveiled, if you will, what they're calling the, I believe, GPT trust layer. This would be branded probably something smoother than that in the long run, where there's a, a compliance layer that their architect have architected to sit between the user and the AI model, which is going to reference your data classification and company policy and the sharing model to make sure that it's not feeding data up to an AI that it shouldn't be receiving. It's going to automatically data mask and anonymize data to prevent leakage. It's going to delete prompts when they're done and things like that, where I think it'll really help build trust in the industries that want to take advantage of it. So, you know, a banking company customer or a healthcare customer can leverage it without running afoul of their compliance requirements. So I think that was a really bold and smart move in the right direction. And now the really hard work is going to come back to the SIs and admins of the world to figure out, I've got all these amazing tools coming together. How can I get some business wins for my company? And they're definitely going to be out there. I think we're just at the beginning of this kind of journey. It's like you get your first database, you know, like, what do you do with it? Now it's like, we're just getting our first AIs. What do we do with it? And there's going to be a lot of discoveries made, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. No, it's a, a brilliant time to be in the industry that we're in because the opportunities are, are endless. So uh, it's great. And, and like you said, you know, Salesforce, have, now this is not a marketing exercise. This is a well-thought-out strategic plan that they've made acquisitions for over time. So uh, I think it'll just strengthen uh, the, the platform and uh, you're in the right space and uh, funded by the right people to do that. So uh, look, we've been listening to Gary Palmeter and you can find out more about Gary at redargyle.com. But what we're going to do now is wrap up with the rapid fire section. So you're ready for four quick questions and therefore even quicker responses, Gary. I hope so. All right. Well, let's do this. So the first one is, what are some of the daily habits that help you scale Red Argyle? I got to tell you, eight hours or more of sleep the night before is the most important thing to help you scale. True, true. It's uh, still one of the best gifts you can give yourself. The second is, where do you find out more information? I know you just mentioned around the conference that you went to, but where else can you find information to, to help you scale Red Argo? My go-to is an entrepreneur's organization, EO. I have a, a lot of relationships there. So EO, worth its weight in gold if you can uh, ever become a member. Yeah, brilliant. And the next one is, what's one wish we could grant Red Argyle right now? I wish payroll was free. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? And and it was endless to find free people on payroll. And the last one is, what do you know now that you wish you had known uh, back in you know 2011 around running Red Argyle? I think I just enjoy the ride. I always stressed about so many things and realized that's just all normal parts of a business growing. And I, I just wish I took more enjoyment out of it. Yeah, yeah, so true. Great way to end. Well, uh, like I said, we've been talking to Gary from Red Argyle, and uh, I'll give uh, a little bit more of an update in the outro. So, uh, Gary, I really appreciate you coming on. Well done. 
to you and Tom for uh, sitting in the front seat and making that opportunity. Like you said, it was luck that meets perseverance and that you persevered, you did the things that they asked you to do, you kept them informed and it's led to more funding, more opportunities and, uh, you know, to 8x the business since then is a fantastic effort. So uh, well done to you and Tom and the team, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody worked really hard and uh, it's been a, you know, again, a great ride when I look back and and, uh, looking forward to the next chapter. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, thank you. What a great interview by Gary. Such a humble guy. And that chance encounter with Mark Benioff really changed his life. And I hope you get inspired to get some funding for your business and the impacts that it can have. Uh, Why don't you share what you learned on LinkedIn with Gary? He would absolutely love that. It's a nice way of saying thank you. And why don't you also share it with some of your peer group as well? Uh, They'll get great benefit out of it and you'll be seen as a rock star in their mind. Also, you can check out our solo shows and I'll see you next time on the Cloud Consultant Show for more quick and simple ways to grow your cloud consulting business and live more of the life you want. Learning is just one piece of the puzzle. It is now time for action. Head to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. Get the links and put it into action. Head to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, rate and review the show. Suggest topics for me to cover at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. And don't wait one more minute to gain access to content, especially for you, a cloud consultant, at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash newsletter. This could be the difference between wasting time figuring it out yourself or scaling quickly with less effort to enjoy life.